360 degrees. High high, 360 degrees. High high, 306, 306, 360 degrees. High high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members of the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here in Huchin, occupied Ohlone land, known to settlers as Berkeley. Tonight, we will be getting updates from three amazing environmental justice organizations in Oakland. Those are the West Oakland Environmental Indicators Project, a group that has been working for West Oakland for over 25 years. Also, with No Coal in Oakland, known for its work regarding the proposed coal terminal at the Port of Oakland. And our newest organization, Youth vs. Apocalypse a group comprised mostly of high school students. They are extraordinarily visible and creative. All that and more tonight on Full Circle. I'm your host, Darlene Pagano. Welcome back to Full Circle. Tonight's program is on environmental justice, and we will be featuring three organizations from right here in Oakland, a center and hotbed for environmental justice campaigns for over 25 years. I'd like to make an acknowledgement here about tonight's show. We are recording during the time of the COVID quarantine, which means that there is no studio for the four of us to meet in and record this show. KPFA is upholding the strictest standards of distancing, disinfecting, and limiting the number of contacts that happen inside the studio. Therefore, the producers at KPFA are, for the most part, all working out of their homes, in this case, in Oakland, And we are using what equipment we have and what equipment our guests have to put together the quality that you are used to and enjoy our adaptability as community radio. The organizations tonight are the West Oakland Environmental Indicators Project, No Coal in Oakland, known for their fierce defense against a dirty coal terminal in the Port of Oakland, and our newest organization, Youth Against Apocalypse, an organization made up largely of high school students, and they are well-known already for their visibility, creativity, artistic performance, and their passion for this issue. 
For each organization, I'll be asking them to give us their history, campaigns that they are currently involved in. There'll be a little mention also of previous campaigns and previous successes, as well as delving a little bit into the histories of these passionate activists themselves. I know you'll find inspiration and some comfort in tonight's program. And we are going to start with the West Oakland Indicators Project and their longtime director, Miss Margaret Gordon. So, Miss Margaret Gordon, hi. I'm going to let you go first with the background about your organization, the work you're involved in, and a little bit about your own story. Would you please go first? Hi, my name is Miss Margaret Gordon. I am one of the co-founders and the co-director of the West Oakland Environmental Indicators Project. For over 25 years, I have been totally engaged in air quality, soil, and water issues within West Oakland. Our organization is based out of community-based research and data collection. And I've been engaged with no coal folks going back to uh, 2014. Can you give us a little idea of some of the campaigns or actions and especially any victories that you have led with the West Oakland Environmental Indicators Project? Okay, we have our own monitoring equipment and we train residents how to use that equipment to collect data around 2.5 and 10 p.m. We also do community engagement on multiple levels with multiple agencies. We also have a victory around restoring a truck route for the trucks coming in out of the Port of Oakland, which became an ordinance with the city of Oakland. And we do our own community participatory research documents. And we have three, community knowledge of change, clearing the air, and paying with our health. And let's go back to the start of the West Oakland Environmental Indicators Project. What need was it addressing and what constituency is it representing? Just what caused you to jump in on this? Well, there's a couple of things. In 1989, the freeway fell because of the earthquake. So we had trucks just driving and parking everywhere off the West Oakland. With the closing of the Oakland Army Base, we were able to get land dedicated for truck parking and also getting a vendor to support truck parking services for the truck drivers. We also found vinyl chloride, and we were able, after 23 years, get that cleaned up out of the neighborhood. We also have the indoor air testing and deports sensors all through West Oakland also to be able to see that the levels of, of PM and black carbon throughout all West Oakland within the three freeway and elsewhere at the Port of Oakland. And can you talk a little bit about how the carcinogens that you were mentioning, you said very humbly, and it got cleaned up. What did that look like and how clean and how long did it take and who had to it do it? It took us 18 years, almost 18 years, 23 years 
to get uh, the federal government, which had made this land, piece of land, become a super fun site, get it clean up to residential level. Now, is this the land that was being put aside for the truck parking, or was it where people were living or children were playing? Yeah, children were living, where families were living over the years that used to be a railroad line and a junkyard. The operators of the railroad line would bring in fertilizer and siphon it off into barrels, and it got into the land way back when, and also with other pollutants or our toxins were inside the land also. We found out that this piece of land was contaminated because when the pg e workers were digging a trench for the replacement of the freeway, the pg e workers passed out. So we became a super fun site under the US EPA where it took us almost 18 to 25 years to get it cleaned up. All right, so the, the PG&E workers were coming through a residential neighborhood to do the digging, and that's when the toxins were found. Yeah, of course, the, the fumes came, came about the soil. That's how toxic it was. Who said something about that? Who took yeah, it up? This, this came from the Department of Toxic Substance and Control and Caltrain identified that there was a problem because... Because once the police and the ambulance came and got the pg e workers who had passed out, it became a very critical site. Did the city step in, the state? Who tried to... The state, the state Department of Toxins and Control is the state. Caltrans oh. is the state. They had the authority to clean it up to a level or pass it over to US EPA and declare it a Superfund site. And what was being done for the people who were living there? Very little. Well, how little? I should say not at all until they really contained it for many, many, many years. But people were still afraid to let the kids play in the backyard in the neighborhood. And that part of what's okay. Some people moved away. The land just stayed the way it was until, like I said, 18 to 23 years ago, that they start uh, developing a machine that zapped the vital chloride in the soil and also the groundwater. And did they just come on in and energetically get to work? Like or I said, what happened? Years, 23 years to even get to that place. Okay, so how did your organization get to that we place? We participated as the community advisory with all the agencies and uh, the professional staff that was hired by US EPA to do the cleanup. All right, but those folks who were coming up with a plan didn't seem to be working very rapidly if... No, it was not, that was not very rapid. No, you're right about that. Okay. Do you think there was a point at which things finally started to change? I think the things that finally changed when Obama was in office and it seemed to got on the, the one of the priority list to be cleaned up. So it had to come from that level to finally get the action that you needed? Yes. For the Region 9, there was his appointee that pushed the process. The president's appointee to yes. Region 9. Thank you. 
All right. You want to mention that person's name? It was Jerry Blumenfield. He's okay. right now working under the Newsom governor's office as the Cal EPA deputy director. How did you become involved with this and an organization under your leadership? Well, how I got involved was that I was invited to a meeting talking about somebody was trying to get a permit for the yeast factory in the neighborhood. And it was well known that it, it was a carcinogenic also that was stewing particles into the air. One of the things I got involved was start attending those meetings. And then later on, a group called the Pacific Institute came and started training residents about how to use data and research to do campaigns around air, water, and soil. How you measure stuff. I just stayed with it. You just stayed with it for how many years now? Close to 25 years now. And it's expanded much further than the Superfund cleanup to... Oh, yes. Okay, would you talk a little about your other... Today, because all our, our engagement around the uh, documents that we did called Community Participatory Research and our setting up collaborations with government and community that we were, and also learning about air quality, technical use of air monitors, we were able to be the first community in Northern California with to action plan on the AB 617. AB 617 is a legislative pass mandate that communities like West Oakland able to do a action plan for emission reductions or do a plan finding out through monitoring what are the impacts of air quality in your community. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Margaret. I'm going to turn now to Isha Clark, who is with the group Youth versus Apocalypse. Boy, are people going to want to hear about that term and pretty much go over the same ground. Introduce Isha, introduce her organization, give some history, successes, campaigns that that organization is participating in, has gone through, and then maybe more information about Isha herself. So Isha, thanks for being on Full Circle tonight. Why don't you go ahead and start your introduction? Hey, thank you so much for having me. So again, my name is Isha Clark. I am 17. I am born, raised, and educated in Oakland, California. And I am a co-founder and activist with Youth Versus Apocalypse. And I'd love to start by talking about how I got involved in the work that I'm doing now because I think it's also the story of how Youth Versus Apocalypse came to be. Please do. <laughs> thank you. Well, I guess I'll start by saying that I've always kind of been really passionate and aware of social justice because of growing up in Oakland. It's just so deeply a part of the culture here. My family grew up instilling social justice values in me, but I never felt connected to anything that was environmental or climate related because it was always presented to me as something that was very white and of privilege. I didn't relate to that at all. 
But when I was a freshman in high school, and I just graduated high school, so that was about three years ago. Dumped the trains onto their platforms in the West Oakland port where they wanted to build this terminal. We don't want any of that. And with Ms. Margaret's help and Woeet's help, we fought and fought. Is a community that is predominantly working class people of color. At this action, it kind of clicked for me how, first of all, what environmental racism is, but also how central environmental racism is to environmental injustice and how wrong that narrative that I believed was and also how destructive it was because really what environmental injustice is, is black and brown people, working class people getting years taken off of their lives because of racism, because of greed. And because of those practices, it's led us to this place of severe climate emergency. And so I wanted to be a part of changing that narrative about what environmental justice was or what climate justice was at the time. And that's not to say that environmental justice has always been white because that's absolutely not true. It's always been indigenous folks and people in frontline communities who are pushing to get dirty polluters out of their communities, but that's never what's shown. And so that's how I got into this work. I started working on a campaign called Youth Versus Coal, which was connected to the No Coal in Oakland campaign. And out of that group of young people came Youth Versus Apocalypse. <laughs> and we have our roots in environmental justice and specifically fighting environmental injustice in West Oakland. And now we've grown into this larger Bay Area youth-led climate justice organization we led the climate strikes in San Francisco that were hugely successful. And I, along with some of my other comrades from Youth vs. Apocalypse, were a part of this viral interaction with Senator Feinstein. So we've been doing a lot of big work. <laughs> but I think what's most important to me for people to know about Youth vs. Apocalypse is our analysis and how that analysis informs the work that we do, which is that the climate crisis is a direct result of systems of white supremacy and colonialism and economic exploitation that are also the foundation of not only this country in our, but our world. And so because of that, climate justice work has to be about dismantling these larger systems in every way that they exist, whether it be through racist polluting corporations or our education system, or through law enforcement, or through whatever, however <laughs> these disgusting systems manifest. And so that's our work. And our work is about building solidarity with other fights for justice and making sure that the people who are on the front lines of the impacts of environmental injustice and climate injustice are the ones who are the loudest and who are leading the fight. And so that's sort of where we are now. That's how I got into it. That's how Youth First Apocalypse started, and that's who we are. Could you just say, going back to Youth versus Coal, about how far back was that? That, I joined that campaign in 2017, and I think that it was created shortly before that, so it was 2017. 
And I want to remind our listeners that towards the end of the program, all of the guests are going to give you their contact information for their organizations, but you will also be able to find it by going to the Full Circle website, which is kpfaapprentice.org, and all of the contact information and many items that have come up in tonight's show are all going to be listed for you there to follow up. I know everybody's got their pencils and paper trying to jot things down, but we are going to have those contacts, all of those links on the kpfaapprentice.org website. Isha, tell me about how this fits in with your post-high school graduation timeline, given the situation that we're in right now. In case this program is being played far in the future on a repeat somewhere, this is 2020 and we are in the time of the COVID quarantine. So let me just make that mark and ask you, Isha, it's a pretty personal question. You don't really have to answer it, but I'm interested in where this is leading you. Yeah, I don't mind answering that at all. (laughs) Yeah, my plans changed a lot after high school. I decided to take a gap year this year, and I will be working with YVA, You First Apocalypse, for the rest of this year. And then in the fall of 2021, I will be attending Howard University. Congratulations. How nice that that you know that's going to happen. Great. You're listening to Full Circle. That was the voice of Isha Clark of Youth versus Apocalypse. And I'm your host, Darlene Pagano. Tonight, we are talking about environmental justice in Oakland. We're going to take a short music break, and we'll be right back. We bring more than a paycheck to our loved ones and families. We bring more than a paycheck to our loved ones and families. We bring more than a paycheck to our loved ones and families. More than a paycheck to our loved ones and families. We bring more than a paycheck to to our loved ones and families, we bring more than a paycheck. To our loved ones and families, I wanted more but what I've got here today is more than I bargained for. When I walk through that door, I bring home asbestosis and silicosis long, black, long disease, and radiation hits the children before they've really been conceived. We bring more than a paycheck to our loved ones and families. We bring more than a paycheck to our loved ones and families. I wanted more than a paycheck, but what I've got here today is more than I bargained for when I walk through that door. I bring home asbestosis and silicosis for round, long, black, long disease and radiation 
the hits of the children before they've really been conceived. More, more than just the little picture to you. You're bringing more than a picture to you. I'm bringing more, you're bringing more than just a little picture to Cause it's important that you know that whatever we draw, there is the fear that disease will take its toll. If not disease, then injury. My Lord, maybe for your lot. And if not injury, then stress is going to tie you up in knots. So we take home more than a paycheck to our loved ones and To our loved ones and family, we bring more than a paycheck. To our loved ones and family, we bring more than a paycheck. To our loved ones and family, bring asbestosis and silicosis around long, that long disease. And the radiation hits the children before they really been conceived. More, more than just a little bit of I'm bringing more than just a little bit of But I don't want no more. Welcome back. You are listening to Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA. That was Sweet Honey in the Rock with their song, More Than a Paycheck. Tonight, as we're talking about environmental justice in Oakland, that seemed an appropriate song. Before the break, we had heard from Isha Clark of Youth versus Apocalypse. Let's get back to the conversation with our next guest. All right. Our next guest on tonight's group interview is Michael Kaufman from No Coal in Oakland. And I'm going to ask Michael to come on in and do the same. Introduce yourself. Talk about the history, campaigns, uh, successes of No Coal in Oakland, uh, where you hope to go next. And then we're going to swing back around and hear a little bit about you and your history in the environmental justice arena and actually whatever else you want to say about yourself. Thank you, Darlene. My name is Michael Kaufman. I'm a member of the No Coal in Oakland Coordinating Committee. And I'd like to thank Darlene and uh, KPFA for having us on. I've been involved in social justice, anti-racist and anti-militarist work for my whole life, which is over 60 years now. I guess I started when I was a teenager. And in 2013, I got involved with the concern of fossil fuels because we knew even way back in 2013 that global climate change was upon us and the fossil fuels were a major cause of global climate change. We were meeting with Sierra Club people at Ms. Margaret's WOEP 
and founded a group called Fossil Fuel Resistance, fighting against the tar sands that were being trained over from Canada through Oakland all the way down to San Luis Obispo's refinery where they were going to churn the tar sands into diesel fuel and then ship, ship it back up to the refineries in Contra Costa County where they would turn it into all kinds of different fuels. So we were working on fossil fuel resistance against the tar sands with Ms. Margaret at WOEP when in 2014, a coal company approached the Port of Oakland and said, we want to ship coal out of Oakland. And the Port Authority in Oakland thought about it and decided, no way, we do not want coal in Oakland. And so the port turned down this coal company. Then in 2015, in April 2015, we found out that the coal company was working with counties in Utah where there were coal mines wanting to build a terminal in Oakland. And the person who they were working with was a man named Phil Tagami, a real estate developer who lived in Oakland and who was very prominent and used a lot of his money to build real estate projects throughout Oakland, mostly using public money for those projects. Anyways, Phil Tagami, we found out, wanted to build a coal terminal in Oakland to ship coal from Utah all the way across the ocean to Asia, where they were needing to burn a lot of coal. And we knew that burning coal was as bad as uh, the fossil fuels and the tar sands. So we formed a group called No Coal in Oakland in 2015, when we found out about this secret project. No Coal in Oakland is just a group in Oakland. We are hosted by Ms. Margaret at West Oakland Environmental Indicators Project. And we worked to mobilize the whole of Oakland against coal. First publicizing the fact that coal might come here. How would it come here? It would come here in 100 car mile long trains that would carry the coal from Utah over the Sierras, dumping the dust from the coal throughout its whole trip throughout all of California until it got to Oakland. This dusty coal is what Ms. Margaret talked about, PM 2.5. That means 2.5 microns in size of tiny, tiny dust of coal, of arsenic, of cadmium, of other heavy metals. This is horrible, horrible stuff that is terrible to breathe. And these coal trains would be dumping this dust all the way from Utah to Oakland, where they would dump the trains onto their platforms in the West Oakland port where they wanted to build this terminal. We don't want any of that. And with Ms. Margaret's help and Woeet's help, we fought and fought against, uh, publicizing against coal until finally after a whole year in 2015 
and a half a year in 2016 with numerous rallies of 500 to 1,000 people held throughout Oakland. We finally got to the city council where we got the city council to consider what they would do with coal. And with the largest show up of people, of uh, residents of Oakland at the city council, finally in June of 2016, with 700 people wanting to talk to the city council on that evening, we got the city council to vote unanimously seven to zero with one abstention to kill coal in Oakland. The law that was passed by the Oakland City Council said that there would be no handling or processing of coal in Oakland for shipment overseas. Unfortunately, we cannot stop the coal from traveling through Oakland because that is a federal law that the Oakland City Council doesn't have control over. But we certainly could stop and have successfully stopped coal from being dumped at the Port of Oakland for shipment overseas. And that's how I got involved going from fossil fuel resistance to no coal in Oakland. And now we have you great speakers from three different activist organizations in Oakland or focused on Oakland come together, you're working together. Now, the question is, how is it that you three are now in conjunction? Uh, you're a cohort together. What's up with your mutual activities? I'm a member of the, the team, the CC team, and we meet bi-weekly, but we have emails every day regarding the different issues that come up. I don't work really with populist youth that much. I spend more time with the environmental work of West Oakland and doing a lot of organizing and engagement around 86.7 most of the time. That's, that's about 75% of my work. But then I spend a lot of time, ed orientation and education about our, our West Oakland environmentalist model of using the research and data as part of the campaign for environmental justice, also with climate justice. So that's how I, I'm engaged within Oakland, outside of Oakland, the work that I do. No Coal in Oakland was very excited to have teenagers come to us and say they wanted to be involved. The city council passed the No Coal Ordinance in June 2016. But by tw June 2017, uh, Phil Tagami sued the city of Oakland. And so the youth versus apocalypse teenagers wanted to get back at Phil Tagami for fighting to poison the air and the water of uh, the port and of all of Oakland. And so they organized, started organizing with us, and we, No Coal in Oakland, started organizing with uh, Youth versus Apocalypse. And we had a wonderful, wonderful trip up to Phil Tagami's house one October. We dressed up as coal zombies and uh, brought flags and brought bells to ring 
to bother Mr. Tagami's house right where he lived. And there were hundreds and hundreds of young people bringing in step and bringing us old folks along for the ride. It was a great event. Thank when, you, Isha, and thank you, everybody from Youth Versus Apocalypse. And when you say we, Michael, I just remind our audience, uh, you're talking about No Coal in Oakland, the, the organization that was part of the coalition to create this event. That's correct. And we had many, many other events with the teenagers. We marched down Broadway in a no coal operation. Well, you we, know what? I say, let's let Isha talk about the youth angle on all of this. It's great that you praise, but I, I would like to hear it direct from her as well. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. It's sweet to hear you talk about it with such an exciting tone. <laughs> Youth Versus Apocalypse started with this Youth Versus Coal campaign and we partnered with No Coal in Oakland. The first action that I actually did, and I'm not sure if No Coal in Oakland was there, but it was confronting Phil Tagami in his office. And we had, uh, the theme was Christmas in June and we were all wearing elf hats. And there was this long scroll with a bunch of signatures from kids all over Oakland who said, we don't want coal for Christmas. And we wound up running into him on his way to the bathroom and catching him off guard and having this really powerful interaction. But it's just funny to think about that. And then the zombie march, like we had these really theatrical, <laughs> powerful actions. And so that's kind of the connection here. I think Michael pretty much summed it up. Welcome, this is Full Circle on KPFA. And that voice you just heard was Isha Clark of Youth Versus Apocalypse. She's one of my guests tonight, along with Michael Kaufman and Miss Margaret Gordon. We are talking about environmental justice issues in Oakland, California. We're going to take a short musical break, and we'll be right back. When you feel the ground rumbling, when you hear the great horn sound, the big steel wheels are grinding, the three lights bearing down, when a sound that once seemed friendly now is tearing at your heart, there's no backing down. Sometimes the people stand up for a reason When you see the long train coming And it's coming to your town And it's carrying the poison in a hundred thousand cars and you hear your daughter coughing when it wakes her in the night there's no backing down
you know it drops the value of every home in town when you know the kids with asthma jumping rope on the playground when you know we're all against it and our voices do not count there's no backing down Sometimes the people stand up for a reason Sometimes the people stand up for a reason When they hit you with the sales pitch while they're buying off the state while the feds are gonna tell you that the towns don't have the right to block interstate commerce to protect your family's health there's no backing down down through to Bellingham when every doc and teacher when every mayor stands when every child who lives within five miles of the track there's no backing down sometimes the people stand up for a reason sometimes the people stand up for a reason sometimes the people stand up for a reason sometimes the people stand up for a Welcome again. This is Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM right here in Berkeley. That song was Sometimes by Dana Lyon, also known as the Coltrane Song. We want to get back to our conversation with our guests Michael Kaufman, also Isha Clark, and Miss Margaret Gordon. Before we cut to the music break, Michael and Isha were talking about an action that their coalition held in Oakland. Let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Michael, we're ready for you to jump in again. Uh, well, the, the teenagers uh, had a march from one of the high schools up in Uptown. I, yep. I actually remember this now, Michael. Sorry to interrupt again. <laughs> go right ahead, Isha. I don't really have a, a super clear memory of like the details, but I do remember we started at the school. I forget what the school was called, but we all had signs and we were chanting and we went to city hall and we had like a little town hall type thing outside and people came and testified and were asking Tagami to drop his lawsuit and this is in the city to support us. 
And then we actually wound up running into Libby Schaff, <laughs> into Mayor Libby. Um, and she spoke a little bit and people were kind of pushing back on her a little bit. But yeah, were there any other details of that day that you remember, Michael? Uh, it was just wonderful to have us all together. Uh, and I remember that we uh, even did a little bit of picketing around Phil Tagami's building. There's right. a big building right right across the, the park from City Hall called the Rotunda Building. And Phil Tagami built that building with public funds, but he owns it and that's where his office is. And all you guys uh, picketed that building to remind people that Phil Tagami is one of the reasons that we're fighting against coal in Oakland. I remember too, uh, more recently, we did an action in front of the Rotunda building where we did a street mural. And that was another one that you did. <laughs> we've, done, we've done a lot of local actions, um, Youth vs. Apocalypse and No Coal in Oakland, where really they were supporting, yeah. Thank you. I'm going to ask, just do a, what I know a number of listeners are waiting for, which is how to get in touch with you all. I'm going to ask Miss Margaret to go first, as it's becoming the custom of this phone call, and okay, let um, people know how to uh, connect with the West Oakland Environmental Indicators Project. You can go to www. Um, W-O-E-I-P dot, dot, dot org. W-O-E-I-P dot org. Dot org. Go to the website. Yeah. Again, all of these contacts and links will be on the kpfaapprentice.org website. Isha, go ahead. And if you're looking for contact from the general public, or at least the KPFA listener public for Youth Against the Apocalypse. Do you want to give a contact link for that? Yes, you can go to youthversusvsapocalypse.org. Um, that's our website. And you can email youthversusapocalypse at gmail.com to get in contact with us. And just to make sure people understand when the word versus is being used, that is being written out as VS, Youth yes. versus Apocalypse. Yes. And Michael, no coal in Oakland? Yes, our website is very simple to remember because it's our name. Four words, no coal in Oakland, all smushed together. No coal in Oakland.info or no coal in Oakland.org will get you to the same place where we have a long history of our six years of struggle. We have numerous articles. We have uh, pictures of uh, the Grand Lake Theater saying no coal. We have pictures from the port where they want to put this horrible terminal. We have pictures of coal trains. Come and come to our No Coal in Oakland website and you can learn all about us. All right. And for the uh, ending of the show here, we're going to start wrapping up. I'd like to know where the most urgent things stand right now and what is or is not able to happen right now uh, with the COVID restrictions on our public life. Who 
wants to let me know about what is happening at this moment. Well, I'll start and let everybody know that the bad people who want to bring coal to Oakland are suffering financial difficulties and they are in bankruptcy in Kentucky because the coal company that wanted to do this horrible transport is from Kentucky and they are now in bankruptcy. The group is called Insight Terminal Solutions and they want to build the terminal at the port but they're suffering now. However, we also are fighting against a hedge fund from Los Angeles that wants to invest money in coal in Oakland. And we're fighting against a bank, a Japanese bank called Sumitomo Mitsui Bank. They want to invest in a coal terminal. So we're fighting all of this big, big money that Isha talked about fighting capitalism. We're fighting it here in Oakland. But at the same time, we're fighting Phil Tagami and Inside Terminal Solutions in court. They have sued the city and the city has sued Phil Tagami back because he didn't do what he said he would do. And so there are legal suits in state court and there is also a federal court suit that the city of Oakland is contesting in order to be able to keep our city free from coal. And Phil Tagami being the pivot point for all of these other investors company, he is that center point because he is the one, if I correct me if I'm wrong, he's the one who has a development contract with the city of Oakland to develop within the port, but it wasn't supposed to ever be for coal. Yes, Can I that's clarify two pieces of land now that's identified as port as port area. That is the original land of the Port of Oakland. Then when the, the army base was decommissioned and cut in half, sliced in half, was a decommissioned and developed, then was described as a redevelopment land that the city got half of it and the port got half of it. So we will have two ports in the city of Oakland. To clarify that, it's going to be two separate ports. One would be the traditional trucking port that, of the port of Oakland, and then there would be this bolt terminal that Phil Gami wants to build a coal uh, turmoil. Thank you. That helps me understand and, and visualize where yeah, things are. Yeah. Thank you. If you, think of, if you think of it where the uh, Bay Bridge toll booth is, that is the, that's where the terminal is being located at. All right. Way in the back. It's way in the back, closer to the toll booth. So it's two pieces of land. I guess I could clarify a little bit, although I'm talking too much and Isha should jump in. But uh, Phil Tagami had a development agreement to develop the army base portion of the waterfront. Ms. Margaret is correct. There's two 
parts. There's the official port, and then there's the land around the where the army base was. Anybody who wants to can go and look at that land. If you just go to Maritime Street and then go west on Burma Road for a mile, a mile and a quarter, you will see the army base land where the terminal was to be. Where the terminal land was? I guess I got interrupted, I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, Phil Tagami sued the city and the city sued back Phil Tagami because he didn't do what he said he would, was going to do. Instead, he wanted to do coal. So that fight is still in the, in the legal uh, channels in court. But anybody who wants to can go out uh, on Burma Road and see the area where the terminal is to be built. And it's right below the toll booths on the Oakland-San Francisco Bay Bridge. That is close in to a whole lot of people. Well, thank you all for bringing up us up to date. Isha, is Youth Against Apocalypse being able to participate publicly right now in any of these processes? Our work right now has drastically changed, obviously, because of the pandemic. We were, before Corona, we were doing a lot of demonstrations, mass gatherings. So now we're kind of operating through a number of different campaigns. One of those campaigns is actually no coal. And then we're also doing some stuff around CalSTRS, which is where the California teachers pension funds are handled. And they're investing over $6 billion into fossil fuel or into the fossil fuel industry. And then there's some stuff around targeting Governor Newsom, a lot of different campaigns like that. Um, I think also just to to bring it back to add to like what's the most you asked what's the most pressing thing around the coal stuff right now i would just want to say i think that miss margaret and michael really captured all of the all of the things but what i really want to say to the listeners is it can be hard it can be easy to get caught up in all of the technicalities and you know the timeline and it's such a complicated process but really all you need to know is that rich people are trying to exploit the most are trying to exploit the people of Oakland in an unacceptable racist disgusting way and we need to stop that by any means I think that's kind of what I have to say about that and it's fabulous that you all bring so many joyful means to Oakland in that struggle yes And I think that we might give a shout out a little bit, if I am, again, correct, that No Coal in Oakland and the various campaigns have become models for other port cities. I believe there is, well, I'm sure there is No Coal in Richmond. Do you know any other campaigns that have leapfrogged out of the work that No Coal in Oakland has done? Struggles against the oil industry in New Orleans and in other southern states because they are causing cancer, especially amongst communities of color down there. We are also working with people in Japan. They want to shut down their coal factories and coal power plants. 
And so we have relationships with no coal in Japan as well. And you all are doing Oakland proud. I thank you all for giving us all of this information, history, current events, and anti-capitalism. Thank you, Isha, for tonight's program. So I will be bringing this to a close to remind you all the links that you'll need will be found on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. You've been listening this evening to our guest, Miss Margaret Gordon of the West Oakland Environmental Indicators Project, a project that's been going on over 25 years for environmental justice in West Oakland and all of Oakland. Isha Clark from Youth Versus Apocalypse, and Michael Kaufman from No Coal in Oakland. I thank you all very much. Thank you so much for having us. This was a great conversation. Thank you for inviting me to um, explain about environmental justice within West Oakland. Thank you, KPFA. Thank you, Darlene. We really appreciate the uh, communication that you provide to the people's movement to fight against all of these evils that are besetting us now in the midst of COVID and in the midst of an economic collapse. We have a lot of work to do and we need to reach a lot of people. So we appreciate your work. Thank you, Darlene. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. Please visit our website, kpfaapprentice.org, for pictures, links, and information about tonight's guests and our other archived shows. I've been your host, Darlene Pagano. Stay tuned. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night.